Hey, if you're listening to this, Trust Driven Care is our new software and education, and it's all about helping to grow your office through building trust with your patients and your members. One great feature that we added was the ability to add membership sites. Membership sites are places where you can hold your own video courses that you offer to people in your marketing programs, or maybe you have a certain coursework on nutrition you want to give every single patient who comes in for a new patient exam. These membership courses can be so powerful. If you've ever used something like Kajabi or Thinkific or Learnistic, it's very similar to that. We wanted to add them in so everyone can see the benefit of those and grow their practice through sharing that information with their patients and their members. Check out Trust Driven Care. It includes that as one of the great features that we think will help build trust with your patients, grow your audience, grow your impact in your community, and create more raving fans. So go ahead and check it out at trustdrivencare.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and today I'm joined by Dan Kleckner. Dan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. Absolutely. Now, this is not your first time, and I don't think it'll be your last, so I'm excited to have you back. Uh, For those who don't know, Dan owns a couple gyms up in the uh, Seattle area, and he does some uh, fitness consulting with personal trainers and and, uh, fitness studios that are getting going. Dan, I know you, would you recently speak at Perform Better there in Long Beach? Yeah. Yeah. I've been fortunate to speak with Perform Better the last couple of years. And this year they had me down in Long Beach. Um, and that concluded a couple of weeks ago. It was great to just be back in person. And I, man, I missed yeah. it in, in person speaking. So it's great to just get back to be able to connect yeah. with people in person again, since we missed that yeah. for a while. They're the best too. I mean, if, if anybody listening, if you haven't been to a Perform Better Summit, like it's got to be the best three days of your, of your entire year, right, Dan? Like, I mean, you're hearing sure. from amazing speakers just, and, and, and then they're like, hey, let's do this. Like, so somebody's covering, you know, Todd Durkin's going over three new ways to train the core or something. And you're like, oh, come on. I know everything about the core, this and that. And then you go in there, you're like, oh my God, I've never used this equipment or I've never done this. Or, you know, wow, that, that they totally tie together. I think it's, if you're into fitness, it's got to be the best investment of time you could do during the year. Oh yeah. Hands down. Chris and his team do the best job out of anyone putting it together. And you know, I'm fortunate enough to be a speaker there now, but like you said, when I go down there, like I'm, I'm still sitting in on certain presentations and learning yeah. a lot of stuff just, just as much as I'm teaching. So it's a great, uh, great setup, great yeah. to connect with everybody down there. And it's really is to, the best. Of the to best. that point, I, like I, I speak at some place and you'll see these people, like if you're scheduled for Sunday morning, people fly in like Saturday night and just do their Sunday morning thing and they're out at perform better. Everybody you see that's going to speak anytime during the weekend is there for the entire thing participating, sweating, jumping around, taking the classes, doing all sorts of stuff, you know, and I think it really speaks to how uh, they're just great. They're fun. They're interactive. They're interesting. And uh, Chris does a good job of kicking the, there's no, no crappy speakers there. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, it's, it's the best of the best and it's a, it's an awesome atmosphere. Yeah. So Dan, I know you consult with a bunch of, uh, of folks and I want to talk today uh, we get some questions that I thought you might be the best guy to answer. I want to talk today about KPIs. How do you feel about mm-hmm. KPIs? 
Uh, I mean, I basically run my business by KPI. So I feel, <laughs> I feel, uh, pretty strongly, strongly you feel strongly yeah, about yeah. them. Yeah. I'm a big, yeah, uh, I'm a big numbers guy. I always talk about, uh, in my pr- presentations, I think when I was growing up as a kid, I had a little bit of like organizational ADD. Cause I'd be that kid that would like get all my Christmas presents. And then I would organize them by like size and, <laughs> and all that kind That's of stuff. Awesome. So I, I had some organizational <laughs> issues, but I mean, I think that has served me well as a, business owner because I truly do organize and run our business predominantly by the KPIs and the numbers yeah. that we're looking at and that has served as well. Now, one thing about KPIs is, you know, in my experience, and certainly you, you've had your own, they take a while to find the ones that really matter. And sometimes there's ones mm-hmm. that you think are going to be so important and really you're like, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good measure or it's not nearly as effective as I thought. I didn't ask you this in our pre-interview, but are there have, are there any KPIs you can think of that at first you were like, oh, we're going to track this; it's going to be so important, and then you realized they're garbage; they're not they're not useful. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point because I think um, you can definitely get overwhelmed by having too many of them too, and then and right. then you kind of yeah, yeah exactly the key like the K is key. Like these are the key performance <laughs> yeah. indicator, not yeah. just. They're not APIs, another performance indicator. They're key performance indicators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, like you said, there's definitely some ones that you learn over time that maybe you don't need to track or don't need to utilize. Um, You know, off the top of my head, I would say there's definitely some different like lead conversion metrics and, you know, website and kind of, you know, opt-ins and that kind of stuff as far as where we probably got too deep into that we didn't really need to. At the end of the day for us, it's, you know, how many new people are we getting to trial on each month? And, you know, it's great to see what your, your website and your SEO and all that kind of stuff do. And you have to know that kind of stuff, but I don't think getting deep, deep into that stuff is quite as important as, all right, this is how many leads we got. This is how we got them. And this is how many of them converted to our trial process, you know? Yeah. And one thing I think is important too, for people listening is Dan, we're going to talk about a specific, what I want to talk today is specifically KPIs you would monitor when somebody's opening the first six months of opening a new facility. Mm-hmm. And then also I want to talk about KPIs. If somebody is truly an owner, like they're offsite most of the time, they're only checking in periodically. They're not there in the day-to-day operations, like what you would monitor, make sure things are coherent. One thing I think is important is, you know, I think a, a sports analogy would be easy here. There are KPIs. You think about basketball, right? What is the KPI for the team? It's wins, right? Like, mm-hmm. and in, in truly, we don't, under, we don't really care in wins. Like you're saying, what, what should we track? Points per game may be irrelevant because it's like, it doesn't matter if you win by one or 101, you're winning, but that's more important. And you could say like, oh, our goal is 82 points per game. And you could still lose a bunch of games. It's like, are we really doing what we want here? And then if you think about it, KPIs are specific to the person or the role. So like, you know, Steph Curry has very different KPIs than, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, not, I'm thinking Novak. That's a dude in tennis. Who's the big? Oh, Djokovic. Or I mean, Djokovic. Uh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Jokic. No, yeah, yeah. Jokic. Like, because their position is different. It's like Steph Curry. I don't know if he tracks his rebounds. I don't know if it matters. Right? He's just like, no, no, no. But three pointers matter a lot to him. And you get a guy down there in the paint, like you don't care about us three pointers. I mean, in fact, I don't want to track those. I don't want you to even think about them. <laughs> you know, Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't even be thinking that way. 
So positionally, uh, do you have different KPIs for your trainers and then for your manager and then for the owner? Uh, yeah, we do, but I am pretty transparent, um, especially with my manager and stuff overall of what of our main, um, KPIs for the business. Like you said, I think it's pretty easy to get lost in the weeds and, you know, have a million different things going on and overanalyze mm-hmm. too much, too much different KPIs essentially. So at the end of the day, it's really like, you know, what are these probably, I would probably boil it down to three. What are these three big KPIs that are really moving the business forward? Granted, there's a lot of little things that, you know, are going to go into that. And we can touch more on those little things a little bit as well, because they are important. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, kind of, these are the three big things. These are what's moving forward. And for the most part, I would say most of that communication is between myself and our managers, um, because they also have bonuses and incentives that are tied to those KPIs, because they are really the ones that, is moving the business forward. And then from there, they may have certain um, smaller metrics and stuff that they are checking in with, with our trainers to make sure that the behaviors that those trainers are, are doing are leading to what we need to see with those KPIs, which is kind of the whole, you know, leading versus lagging indicators. Um, But we don't have a whole lot of bonus or KPI stuff incentivized for our trainers. Um, but most of our trainers do end up moving up into manager roles, which is then where they can make more money off of the business and, and the okay. true KPI side of things. So cool. And, and for people listening, can you give us a rough overview of your setup? So you're the owner, you own now two facilities. Each yep. facility has one manager, has a yeah. membership manager and a training manager. How does it, how does it work? Uh, we define it as more of an operations manager cause they do, okay. they do a little bit of everything. And then, so yeah, so we have myself as the owner, um, out of each location, we have an operations manager at each location that is in charge of more of the kind of marketing sales, you know, net growth mm-hmm. side of things. And then underneath them, we'll have either, you know, head trainers or part-time trainers, um, that are okay. the ones that are really providing the services. We do have our operations managers, um, still train some. Uh, but a majority of their day-to-day, week-to-week stuff is more business-focused than it is training. So the kind of natural evolution for us would be come in as a trainer, work your way up to the operations manager, which then gives you more growth and more incentives and um, uh, you know, a salary position, stuff like that. Okay. And how many trainers are at each location right now, roughly? Uh, typically, underneath the operations manager, we have two to three trainers at each location. So we're looking at anywhere from like usually four to six employees at each uh at each location. Very cool. Okay, cool. All right. So let's dive in. So if we have somebody out there, so, you know, most of our listeners are chiropractors and PTs and they want to add a gym onto their clinic, right? So at some Mm -hmm. point they're going to open this thing and I encourage them, hire it out, hire it out, hire it out. Day one, when you start, have a trainer that's going to be teaching these classes because you're not going to be doing it in between patients. But let's say you have like one trainer, you're starting out with classes and what numbers would you monitor in that first six months you think are the KPIs that will lead to a successful, healthy gym in the future? Yeah, I think it really boils down to probably three main points. The first one being is you have to know what your break-even number is for memberships. I think in our style of gym, our style of setup, um, I really think you should be profitable within six months. Now, depending on the gym, depending on the setup, and that could be closer to nine months. If you look at the average, just general business, not even gyms, it can be upwards of 12 months before you're profitable. But I believe if you have the right system and set up in place for what we're doing, that you should be profitable within six months. So that means um, 
really, I need to know what that number is. So let's say my, uh, let's say my break even revenue for my expenses is going to be 20,000. We know that with the gyms that we have here and in most locations, it depends on area, but most of the time our average membership is going to be $300 a month. So let's say my break even is 20 grand and I have $300 per member. That means roughly about 70 members is going to be my break even point, 65 to 70 members. So that's the first number okay. I need to know is how many, how many people do I need to get in the door to break even? Cause if you don't know that number, uh, you really can't do you anything else. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how much revenue you have. You want to see how profitable is my gym and what are my, what yeah. are my profit num- numbers look like. So I think that's the first number. Um, and then once you get into that number where you get that break even point, then I think the next number to figure out is then as I'm growing, what is my membership number to hit at least 30% net profit? That's kind of our goal at each, uh, each location we have each month is to be, have at least 30% net profit. That's also a metric we look at to see if it's time to open up another location. Usually if we have uh, six months in a row, at least mm-hmm. of 30% net profit, we've kind of proven out the model. And we know that we can then potentially look at opening another location. If that's a goal of ours, doesn't mean you have to do that. But if it is, I think that's a key indicator. Mm-hmm. So look at that. So outside of your break-even point, outside of your net profit number, then I would say probably the most important um, number from there is how many trials a month are we getting? Because that's going to dictate how many new members we're signing up. I think the retention comes into play, but retention comes into play way more after the first six months. There's a chance sure. of you losing a lot of people in that first six months are or unless you're doing a really bad job or pretty yeah. slim. So and when you're launching, retain, retention numbers yeah. are artificially high, right? People are like, oh, I just love Dan. I'm going to stick around and blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah. Third yeah. year so in, think, they're, they're much yep. more critical eye to, towards you. Yeah, and so that's yeah. an important number, but that's one we, I think, like we'll talk about um, here in a little bit is more on that, you know, if you already have been established and are trying to kind of maximize your profitability. So I would say the third number, like we talked about, would be... Um, how many new trials am I getting a month? And then ideally I'm and, converting 60% of those trials. And again, just so we're talking uh, oranges to oranges here in your terms, when you say a new trial, is that somebody coming in for a single workout or they've agreed to come for like a two week trial? What, what do you guys yeah, use as the um, measurement in your, in your we gym? We typically use either a, uh, we don't do the single workout stuff very often because we are typically trying to sign people up on 12 month memberships. Um, so our, our trial is typically either 10 days, 15 days or 21 days. One of those three, um, I realize it's going to be a little different when you're looking at, um, you know, the clinical side of things that's, that's going to be totally different. But from the gym perspective, uh, we like having people in anywhere from like three to six sessions for the trial, anywhere from like 10 to 21 days. We've kind of, since we've been open the last eight years, you know, across the board, we typically convert at 60% of those. So we know you know, if we can get 20 trials in, in a month, we should convert 12 of those. Um, yeah. Pretty much every time and or whatever. When you say convert again, so we're, so let's say I'm working out with you. You go, Hey, we're bringing your wife, right? So I bring in my wife. She shows up on Monday. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get her to work out. You said about six times. And then do you, when do you schedule like an assessment or a sign up meeting or what do you guys call it? A success. So session we do we do the uh, initial initial consultation or you know discovery session, whatever you want to call it, at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. From there, we then get them signed up on our our trial process, and then throughout the trial process, um, you know our operations manager will have different 
touch points to try to get them signed up to a regular membership. And that is where we convert the 60% is to our regular memberships. We do our regular membership stuff still slightly different than some people. We still do it a little bit yeah. old school. We, we only have two options. We either do a 12 month membership or a month to month membership. Um, 98% of our members do the 12 month membership. I know a lot of people recently have kind of switched to everything being month to month memberships because it's easier to sell. You know, and I understand why, why people mm-hmm. do that, but I think that mm-hmm. puts you susceptible to a lot of people leaving at a certain month and you can't really project out your, your future receivable base like you can with the 12 month membership. So we still believe in selling the 12 month memberships and uh, that's what so we do. So you do a 12 month membership, but bill it monthly? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they can, we have three kind of membership types and they can switch between those three as much as they want during the 12 months, they're just committing to doing some type of membership for 12 months and doing 12 monthly payments. Okay, cool. So let's go back real quick. So the three numbers you attract, number one, are break even. Yeah. And let's just say like in this situation, it's 20 grand or, you know, in in our situation with the clinic, since the clinic's already up and going next door and that's where most of your people are, it's going to be cheaper than that. But let's say 10 grand Mm -hmm. because it's not a standalone. So look at that. Then we look at what would it take to be 30% net profit. So in yeah. your model of 20 grand a month of break even, you're going, now what's it going to take to make an additional six grand in profit? Is that right? That's yeah. roughly 30%. Yep, exactly. And yeah. I think along with those, for us, it's important to assign a membership number to that too. It may not be the exact, because you don't know exactly what each member is going to be. But you'll know 74 so members is our 74 yeah, exactly. members yeah. is our target. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We say, you know, hey, 50 members is our goal to get to that 20 grand yeah. point and then to get okay. that extra six. Now it's going to be 70 members or whatever, just okay. to have a number on it. Cool. And then you have that break even, net, uh, 30% net profit. And then your other one is number of trials actively going on. Like how many people are in trials? Yeah. How many trials are we doing per month? Okay. Um, and then ideally we're converting 60% of those trials to, uh, Okay. That. Cause that, then it's easy to break down that membership number two. Let's say that we need to get to, you know, within six months, we need to get to 60 members. That means, okay, that means I got to sign up 10 new members a month. So if I'm doing 60% on that trial conversion, that means I probably need to get 15 yeah. trials in a month, convert 10 of them. And then that tells you how much it's worth it to spend on marketing and how much you're going to push exactly. on that because you're like, whatever it is, I need to get to 15 trials a month. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. So real quick, let's say that your break-even is, well, let, I guess, are there times where your break-even is a number and you're like, what the heck? That's way off. Or like that you're, you want to dive in deeper into it because you're like, something's wrong here. I mean, gyms are fairly simple businesses, right? You have your, Training staff is always, people are always the most expensive, then rent, yep. then equipment, and then marketing costs, right? That's basically... Yeah. Yeah, but I think I agree, I agree with you. I think it is important oh. to kind of at least Dang, have a framework. Oh, I was going to say, I think it is important oh. within those to have a framework, like you said. So if you do have those 20 grand expenses, typically what we're looking at inside of that is about 50% of that is going to be payroll, like you mentioned about 25% is going to be rent and then 25% is going to be our, our miscellaneous. So I do think it is important to know within that break even point, like what consists of those expenses. And those are typically the three, 
basic categories we'll track. Okay. Say those again. 50% is payroll, 25 is rent, 25 is miscellaneous. Yeah, marketing, uh, you know, whatever other equipment, that kind of cost. Okay, cool. So if you see it way out of range, if if staff is 70% or 30%, you're like, something's up here? Like, yeah. Doesn't smell yeah, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then we go over that 30% profitability. Um, yeah, what do you need to monitor there? Is there anything you need to look at to make sure it's in line or? Um, yeah, there's a couple numbers that go within that. There's the, obviously the trial conversion part to make sure you're getting enough new people in the door. Mm-hmm. And then once you get past that six month mark, um, retention is huge. So retention is something we're constantly tracking. Yeah. Um, for, for us, it's about 3% attrition. Um, is a good number. We're in case if we have a hundred members, we know that on average, we're going to lose about three members per month. Um, if we're losing right. more than that, typically something's up and we're, we're not doing what we need to do right. from a, uh, retention perspective. Yeah. And for, for knowledge of those people listening, you're always going to have attrition. You, you can't stop it. You know, mm-hmm. people move away, things change, they get married, they get divorced, they, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 3% is a good number if you're doing everything right. Exactly. Where it, if you're doing everything wrong or you're operating like Planet Fitness where you don't really care about people, you're not really contacting them, that number gets to six. It's shocking how much more work you have to do to stop that boat from sinking. And yeah. if it gets above 10%, like close the doors, burn the thing down, man. It's over. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. I don't think people realize that. An analogy that I always get people to realize when I'm doing these speaking is that even if you're doing a really good job at 3% and you have a hundred members, that means at the end of the year, you're only going to have 64 of those hundred members and that's doing a really good job. So that makes, you know, even wow. drives yeah, home that... the point more that where marketing and getting new trials in the door is important as well. Cause like you said, it's inevitable that people move, stuff happens. Um, and 3% seems like a really small number, but that's 36 members in a year if you have a hundred. So it drives home the point of being able to have to replace some of those members as well through your marketing wow, that's and, great. and what you're doing. Great illustration, Dan. Great illustration. Yeah. All right. So then your trials, let's say, help us work through trials to make sure we can monitor those and make sure we're looking at them right. So, um, so last, uh, your last facility that you started in the first six months, what was your goal for trials a month? Uh, usually it's around 20. I think so that's, basically, a, that's a doable number. Is that, is it typically one person starting every day of the week or is it, is it usually like uh, five like, on Monday? You know, 20 can be, 20 can be a little bit high. I would say depending on if it's a, if it's a gym that is within a clinical setting, it may only be around 10 just because of the square feet and kind of yeah. small stuff. But it, ideally, you know, in most of these gyms, you're trying to book two or three consultations a week and get to that. If you can get, even in a smaller facility, if you can get to that 10 trials a month yeah. number, um, yeah. you're still going to be in a good spot. It also brings up the thought, the thought, like, I think people underestimate if you have 10, let's say you have a hundred total members and 10 of them are on trial, those 10 on trial, because of all those touch points, like you said, there's what, there's six touch points, seven touch points, whatever. Those 10 mm-hmm. are taking as much work to service as the other 90 or the other 90, right? Because it's constant yeah. meeting and updates and this and that and re- reaching out. Whereas the other the ones, once they're members, they're so low maintenance. It's, it's super easy, but I think people underestimate that, which is why some places, if you ever look, they go, oh, we have our onboarding specialist and our operations manager, meaning one person watches everybody else and this person watches the trials or what, you know, they, they do weird things like that. 
But that's mm -hmm. why it's just uh, seven touch points times 10 trials is 70 touch points you might have to make in the month. That means every day you're doing at least two and some days you're doing three, you know? Yeah, and exactly. And if you're in a, a smaller business setting where you may only have four or five employees, I think uh, you really have to make it a team effort and make sure that everybody's involved yeah. with those those touch points and you have somebody overseeing it, but everybody's got to be involved because not everybody has the luxury of having a, a salesperson, an operations person, a membership person, you know, like some of these bigger gyms right. have. So, yeah. And then you realize too, like the gym business taught me a lot about like, when do people actually operate? Like every hour that they're in your off your gym is, is gold. Like mm -hmm. you, you can't be like, Oh, we're going to offer eight classes a day. You know, just, normal work hours, nine to five, be like, no, nobody's coming into those times. You know, they want the 5am, 6am, 7am, and then they want three, four, five, six, seven at night. The same thing when you're trying to reach out and talk about gym memberships. I can't tell you how many calls I've had. Are like, Hey, Dan, I want to talk to you, you know, about your membership. And they're like, ah, oh, I'm at work right now. Can you call me after five? Or like they, they mentally put themselves in a different situation. Like gym time is after work or before work, you know? And they get those, mm -hmm. they get in those settings and you're like, no, I, I, I want to close the deal right now, dude. <laughs> I don't want to call you. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then, uh, so seeing like 20, so in growth phase, 20 trials a month. And if we're not seeing that, what are some of the, uh, what are some of the things you would dive into and try and to try and fix that? Um, I think it's all about, you know, lead conversion at that point. And what are you doing for marketing? Um, one thing that I have definitely learned over time marketing wise is you really kind of have to diversify your marketing and have anywhere from like three to five different tracks going. Um, it used to be three or four years ago, you could do the most basic stuff on Facebook ever and get 20 trials in the door. Um, that's changed a lot with just the different algorithms and stuff like that. So for instance, like here we may, we'll, we'll have Facebook ads going at a certain time. We'll be doing Google ads. We have our um, web people that want our website that are doing SEO on that, making sure we're driving organic traffic to the website. We'll have referral sources um, in place for our clients. We'll have, uh, we've gotten back since, you know, COVID is, is dampered down. We've gotten into a lot more back into the grassroots marketing. So we have you know, country clubs here where we'll go and do TPI screens and sell people off the trials off that. We'll, we have PT. Be honest, Dan, that's that just you with. trying out a new course, right? You're like, well, that's true. I get a golf out of that. So that's, yeah, you're like, oh, I'll go I'm check this one out. See if it's okay. That, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. let me ask you that. But you have to diversify your marketing. Otherwise, you're going to be dead right. and you're not going to get those trials in. Yeah. So, like our mutual friend Tom Plummer says, this is actually a, you know, real business that you got to operate. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you this in that first. So if you look at the first six months launch versus like where you're at now with your gyms, how many of your trials now are coming from word of mouth and referral from current members? Uh, we try to still be about 30% with that. Okay. In that yeah. launch phase, is that kind of much lower because you just don't have the word of mouth referrals yet or? Is yeah, definitely. Higher? You don't have an, an established, I would say it's lower because you don't okay. have an established brand. Um, so really that first six months is where you really have to press the gas pedal with the Facebook, Google ad community stuff you're doing, um, mm -hmm. reaching out to other businesses in the area and stuff. Cause you're not going to get a whole lot of referrals those first, um, six months. Hopefully once you're in business six months, you have a little bit more of a steady referral. Um, okay. Pace, and, and moving forward, getting about 30% of your trials every month, which is what you said about 15 
ongoing? How many trials are you doing for kind of maintenance? It depends, on, it depends on the size of the gym. Um, I think upwards of 20, but a lot of gyms can still operate and get to that profitability number just doing about 10 trials, you know, 10 trials a month, assuming your retention's in place. But if it goes to single digits, it's yeah, almost no gym could survive that. Yeah, because if you look at it, I mean, if you have 100 members and you're losing that 3% a month, you're automatically losing three members a month. So ideally, you have to get at least four, five, six people signed up each month to absorb that. And so point. if you're doing yeah. 10 trials a month, you convert six of them, you're still going to net yeah. three new members a month. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. All right. Well, I want to dive into ownership KPIs, um, but mm-hmm. before we do anything else, we should know about this kind of growth monitoring KPIs. Oh, here, how often are you reporting on them and and getting them to share with the team when you're in that growth mode? Uh, I mean, I as the owner am looking at them every day. That's kind of my yeah. That's because you're a, you're a crazy ass owner, though. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But as far as uh, looking at them with our management team and our, um, our operations manager. So we're looking uh-huh. at them weekly, usually weekly. Um, okay. With so keeping them weekly and saying, so if you're doing weekly and you're looking at the trials that month, you could say we're on a run rate for 18 trials this month. We're on a run rate for 24 trials this month. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, monitoring exactly. that. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Cool. All right. And uh, since you love talking these numbers and you love doing that, if somebody wants to schedule like a, a call with you, I know you talked, you have your, your little, um, consulting sessions you're giving out for free, but if somebody like, likes what you're talking about, they want to schedule with you. How can they, uh, schedule a time with you to kind of discuss this stuff? Yeah, I do it very similarly, uh, to how my, my mentors did it with me. So I worked a ton with Tom Plummer and Rick Mayo. Those were kind of my guys as I was going through the business side of things. And we would uh, usually just hop on a call once a month and kind of work through the strategy for the month and figure out what are our goals for the month? What are we doing? Um, So I do, like I said, have on my website, I have a free 15 minute um, consulting call for anybody that's interested in me, kind of helping them lay out all these KPIs, the growth thing. I would love to just hop on the call with them and get to know them more. And then if it works out where they want to continue to do that, usually we just set up calls once a month to kind of check in and make sure everything's moving forward. And what's that website? Just so people know. Uh, dankleckner.com. And Kleckner is K-L-E-C-K-N-E-R, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Awesome. All right. So now let's dive into uh, the dream, right? I want to be an owner of fitness facilities. I don't want to work in them every day. You know, I'm going to have my feet up on my desk at home, looking out at the beautiful water. uh, And I got a bunch of gyms that are just making a ton of cash and there's no problems. Set it and forget it right? All these, uh, dreams that people have. I, I personally don't think there's any business where it's set it and forget it. Uh, it's just depending on who's monitoring it, right? You just have layers of it, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when, if you were strictly owning and, and it, we should say too, you're based in Seattle, you did have, um, a gym for a while in another state, right? That was what a seven or eight hour drive. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I only, I only really went to that gym, you know, once a year, it was, it was exactly kind of what we're about to talk about here with the check-in stuff. Yeah. I kind of took that blueprint, right. uh, showed my business partner how to do all that stuff. And then it was just weekly check-ins to see where we were at with the numbers, right. where, if we were moving forward where we needed to. So, And that facility was running great. Um, and then your employee got a hold of some cash and said, I want to buy you out. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. My business partner and I owned it. Our whole goal was always to build it up and sell it. And we were fortunate enough that we had our main operations manager there who wanted to take Mm -hmm. it over and buy it. And she was able to get financing and we were able to, you know, come to a price that we all, we all liked and agreed on. And that happened to me too. Uh, It's it's a great thing, you know, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about ownership numbers, KPIs. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you were to give us three KPIs you think are the most important to look at, if you're truly playing the role of owner, what are they? Uh, one of the best analogies I've heard for that, and I got to give credit to, uh, I think I got this from Vince Gabriel. I want to make sure that I, I'm always stealing different business owners and yep. guys' ideas. I want to make sure I give them credit. But uh, I think it was on a podcast that he was saying, um, you basically have your offense, your defense, and your special team. So I'm a big sports guy. I played football in college, all that kind of stuff. Most Most people can relate to some type of sports and most people can relate to football since NFL is pretty big, but anyways, uh, yeah. And if we can't, if they can't relate to football, we just don't work with them. So it's, it's yeah, we don't work with them or we can, we can figure out another analogy, but most people like the the football one. So we go with, um, offense, defense, special teams. And that's kind of what I'm always checking in with my managers in on a weekly basis. And, uh, for some, there's a lot of little things that go into each one, but for simple terms, the offense is, how many, just like we talked about, how many trials are we getting in the door? How many new people are we, are we getting in the door? And how many people are we converting those new people into regular memberships? So that's for all intents and purposes, our offense, our new growth, our new blood coming in the door, mm-hmm. new memberships. Our defense is the retention side of things. So how many members are we losing each month? Like we talked about that 3% number. That's huge. Once you get past the first six months, I think you really mm-hmm. have to make sure that that number, like you said, if it gets to six, you're starting to get in trouble. If it gets to 10, you might as well shut down, shut down the place because you're not going to survive. So yeah. the defense for us is the retention side of things, making sure we're not losing more than 3% of our people per month. And then the special teams is really where you can kind of maximize that 30% net profit. Let's say that your, your trial membership base is good each month. You're converting that 60%. Your retention is good. And then now maybe my goal is to really kind of, like you said, be able to remove yourself a little bit more, maximize my profit, maybe open up another location. So the special teams is simply like, what are your finances looking at? What are, what re- what's your revenue number? What's your net profit? And then is there maybe different things at this point that I can add to maximize that? So different program, nutrition program, a mobility program, a TPI program, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. That's only stuff that you really need to look at if you've been going six months and you're starting to be profitable and you're trying to kind of maximize. I don't have anybody look at that stuff as much in the first six months. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, you, you have the offense defense and then the special teams is more just the kind of finances, uh, operational side of what's our profit look like, what's our revenue look like. So, um, yeah. my man, my managers have always uh, done well with kind of that offense defense special teams analogy. I like it. So let me ask this, you know, KPIs are numbers. They're important. It's important that we're clear on where we get that number. I always like when you go into a business and you find out the two people are, are calculating the KPI, but based on different inputs. And it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, geez. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm sure you've seen that in Facebook ads, man. You work with any software that acts as Facebook ads. Facebook will tell you you got 86 clicks and then some software will tell you you got 104 clicks and you're like, which one, which one do yeah. we believe? You know, and we always yeah. have to come to agreements about that. But that is an important thing is make sure like wherever you're getting your numbers, it's reliable and that it can be accessed by somebody I always think it can be accessed by somebody other than you. Cause I think the act of pulling that number for a manager or something, if they know they have to pull that number and give it to you, them going through and pulling the report is part of the managerial leadership, right? Is like, yeah, no, definitely. Dan, look at it. And when it prints out 86 and you're supposed to be at a hundred, 
you'll know why I'm pissed, you know, like it's, yeah. And they take ownership of it that way as well. Right. Like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they can pull it three times a week if they want, even if it's a weekly thing, it's like what you want is somebody trying to move a number and then accessing the data to go like, did, did what I, the actions I took actually change things. So one thing that's important about KPIs, I think is who, who is truly in the end responsible for them. Right. So if we go back to your, if your, uh, your offense, defense, special teams analogy, who ultimately is responsible for uh, those numbers? Like if they're not where they need to be, who do you get after? Um, the offense, defense stuff is definitely our operations manager because they're in charge of doing the consultations, getting the trials in the door, converting them, um, and then also in charge of the retention side of things because I do think. Um, I do think it's a good idea to whoever is in charge of that place to have some type of bonus structure. Obviously you want your employees to do, you know, do what they should be doing from a job perspective every day, but I think it's okay to incentivize them with certain bonuses for the KPIs that you really want to make the most important ones. So we have um, essentially for kind of the offense defense side of things, we have um, bonuses and KPI structures in place for those people that are doing those. Mm-hmm. And then I think as the owner, I'm the one that is mostly dictating the special team stuff. I'm going to be the one that's really diving into like the P and L and the profits. I think I share those numbers obviously with my um, managers sure. as well, but I think sure. I'm the one that is, is mostly, you know, seeing those and controlling that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and they take care of the the offense and defense stuff, which leads to our, our net growth for the facility for the month. Okay. And if we go one level down, we go back to those, like if you're in that growth phase, who is responsible for those numbers? So our break-even, 30% profit, and our number of leads. Let's talk number of, or what do you call it, trials, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I think it depends on how you have it structured from a responsibilities point. I mm-hmm. actually, um, besides the special thing, I actually do a lot of our um, lead conversion stuff as well because I have a lot of time throughout the week where I don't mind it. Uh, as soon as the lead comes in, I'll be the one that'll text them and then I will uh, facilitate scheduling the consultation. And then from there, once they're in the door, then it's our operations manager who's in charge of getting them signed up on the trial and then getting them converted to a um, a regular membership from there. So I still do, I, I guess the initial point of contact, I still do a decent amount of, and then I filter them off to the operations manager from there and then they own the process from there. Still can't let go, huh? Still can't let yeah, go. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I got to figure uh-huh. out something to do, man. Something to do yeah. throughout the week, you know? No, it's funny. I have a buddy. He just started another division. of. He's a chiropractor. He just started another division of his company. And they're running these Facebook ads. And he said he's on vacation in like Vail or something. And he's, you know, it's with his family. And he's in the bathroom like, hey, so Mr. Johnson, I saw you sign up for a thing. Yeah, when can I get you? <laughs> like he's, he's hiding in this bathroom from his, from his wife and kids. And then his wife's like, what are you doing in there? It's like, I'm trying to make sure we can go to Vail next year, baby. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. I do draw the line on vacation. I uh, I delegate that one on vacation. I have a no work policy on vacation, but I get where he's That's coming good. from. <laughs> yeah, man, it's hard when you built it up and, you know, you it, it feels still feels like you could lose it any time sometimes. I don't know. I feel that way, you know? No, for sure. So, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, uh, so, so going back, so the leads or the trials, and I just want to understand your setup. So you're, you're, you have your operations manager, and I think you just said they're also the person that would do the, um, the what what would be the sales meeting, the sign up. Let's get you signed up for this membership. 
Yeah. And, and in your world, you said that most people are signing up for 12 month membership. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, so that's so you, that person. Probably so, the easiest way to explain it is just kind of walk it from, from head to toe real quick. So yeah. lead comes in the door through Facebook, uh, Instagram, whatever that may be. That lead notification comes to me. And because I like to have somebody that's going to respond within a couple minutes, that's the one thing that I've had like hard to let go of. Because I, there's one thing I do really well. It is uh, having a zero inbox policy, responding to stuff and, and staying organized with that. So lead comes in the door. I reach out to them. Typically, they respond on text or, or email. From there, I set up their consultation at either location um, with our operations manager. And then from there, once they're in the door, then the operations manager does the consultation, uh, sets them up on the trial process, gets them set up for their time, training times and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and then checks in with them throughout the trial process and tries to get them signed up. And then on the defensive side of things, they're constantly doing um, on point, what we call on point sessions or meeting with our current members, mm-hmm. just making sure that they're happy so that when it is time for them to get renewed, they renew their membership and, mm-hmm. and, and we don't lose them. Um, and so luckily with our operations managers, um, they have less, a lot less training. So they typically only train about 10 hours a week because the rest of their time during the week is really that offensive defensive side of things. Once I get them in the door and, and get them into our system. Okay. And for, uh, cause we're talking numbers from the people you, you talk to on the phone, what percentage of them actually show up with their feet inside your, your gym, uh, for their concert? Uh, I would say at least our goal with that is at least, uh, 40 to 50%. So if we have, you know, if we have 40 leads in a month, we should be able to set up at least 20 of them on the competition. So you're going to get people that you call, especially on Facebook. I I don't even give you my information. I don't, you know, you get get bad leads like that, but I would say 50%. It used to be higher. It used to be like 70, 80%, but it is tricky, trickier online now to get. We ran, um, you know, closer to 50%. Do you know Pat Rigsby? Oh yeah. 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 So Pat put out this thing and it was part of a challenge. And I remember it was like ran these Facebook ads. It was like first time I ever did Facebook ads. Call everybody. And I think we got like 86% of the people show up. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, like, which is insane. Yeah. Oh, dude. If I if I would have known what we were doing at the time, I'd have been like, don't ever let this go. This is the best yeah. it'll ever be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, think it's the re- unfortunate reality nowadays is closer to 40 to 50%. Yeah. I think an easy way to think about it for people listening, if you're if you're starting a gym. For if you get a hundred leads on Facebook, you're going to get half of them on the phone. From that, half of them will actually show up. So for every four you yep. get, only one will show up. And that's if you're doing things really well. You might need five people to get one to show up. So keep that in mind. It's certainly not the panacea that it, you know, and anybody that advertises, we'll get you 200 leads on Facebook. What they're saying is, we'll get you 40 people maybe to show up. And the quality of the leads may suck. So I think it's, whereas when we go back to like the reason that word of mouth and referral is so great is if like Betty Sue has a best friend, Bobby Joe, and she's like, I'm going to bring my friend, Bobby Joe, do everything you can to get Bobby Joe's feet inside your gym. Like make it as easy as possible because the likelihood of that going through is now a one-to-one. Like it's more likely than not that you'll keep her as a client versus when it's going advertising, it's more likely than not you're going to lose them in the pathway. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, this is great, man. I really appreciate you talking us through these KPIs. Throw out your website again so people can set up a consult call or talk with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's just dankleckner.com. I got a bunch of business videos on there, a bunch of content you can check out. And then there's a place to schedule that 
consulting call as well. And we'll put that link in the, uh, the show notes as well, where you can just uh, hop on my calendar and, and set up that call. And I'd love to be able to help you guys through the process. Cause yeah. that's what's helped me at the end of the day. That's my mentors were the ones that got me to where I'm at. And so I'm, I want to take that, that step and nice. be able to help gym owners and business owners do the same. Nice. Are you expanding out of uh, Seattle anytime soon? You think you're opening up other locations or? Uh, we're looking into it. I would like to end game, have four or five locations going. We have mm-hmm. two right now. I would say, uh, within the next 12 months, we want to look at opening up, um, another one for sure. So always, always trying to figure out what's next, man. <laughs> There's a guy down the street lives like four houses down from me. He owns 32 subway restaurants. And I was oh, talking wow. one day. I was like, man, what was it like? He goes, uh, one to two was twice as much work. Two to four was a hundred times more work. And four to 14 was one tenth the work. I was like, exactly. What? Yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah, man, it's the, it's the single digits, the low single digits that really work your ass. So, yeah, you know, just keep that in mind. Cause I think your next growth from where you're at now to five is going to be the hardest part, but then it might have just, you know, as T Boone Pickens said, the first billion is the toughest, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's all smooth sailing after that. Exactly. All right. Well, Dan, I appreciate your time today. On behalf of Dan Kleckner, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks again, Dan. All right. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's Clinic gymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.